0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, King David, who was the second king of Israel, this is in the Old Testament, and around the year 1000 or so BC, and in the midst of great darkness and troubling times for himself in his kingdom, he said this in Psalm 42, My tears have become my food, O God, by day and night, as they say to me every day, where is your God? We like to blame our society today as being a faithless society, a faithless generation, and we look backwards at generations that came before and at times that came before as more faithful, people used to have more faith. People were full of faith. Everybody had faith back then, in the Middle Ages and before that and previous times. And now, in our day, today, people are faithless. It's not really the case, though. It's not that people had greater faith back then than they do today. It's true that people held the form of religion, they performed religion more than they did today and times before, but that doesn't mean that they had more faith. In the Middle Ages, for example, everybody in Europe, everybody was a Catholic, for the most part. Everybody made the sign of the cross. Everybody went to mass. Everybody did the things that they were supposed to do as Catholics, and yet not everybody was faithful. Not everybody was believing. In the time of King David, 1000 BC, This kingdom, Israel, in the time of David, was a religious kingdom. It was a religious empire, ruled by a religious king and by the temple, which was the religious house of God in Jerusalem, which permeated every aspect of Israelite society. And yet King David is saying about his fellow Israelites they say to me every day, where is your God? They're mocking David for being a believing king, for trusting in God. And they mock him and they say, where is your God? Tell me. David was laughed at. St. Paul, in his day, right right after the time of Christ, was preaching about Christ resurrected in Athens and this forum called the Areopagus, and he was preaching about Jesus risen from among the dead, and St. Paul was laughed at. Even way back when, in very, very early times, when Abraham was told by God in his old age and his wife's old age that they were going to have a son and that through this son, the promises of God would be fulfilled and so on, a miracle that God was telling Abraham he would do, Sarah heard about it and she laughed. And God told Abraham, why is Sarah laughing? This is a constant story in the Old Testament and in the New. This is a constant story throughout the history of the church and throughout the history of the world. Somebody that believes in the God that no one can see, someone that believes in a power from on high and really puts all their eggs in that basket of God that person is laughed at and ridiculed. It's really easy to accept God when God is really far away, when God is just, oh, he's the creator of the world, and he's the one that made everything, and once in a while when we pray to him, he's gonna send us graces so that he can help me get a job, or that he can help me in my schooling, or he can help me with my family, or he can help do these kinds of things, whatever it is. But once things get really serious, once things get really close to home, no, now it's time to get real. Now it's time to take matters into our own hands. Now it's time to put away all that superstitious religious stuff and do things the way that we know how. As soon as, for example... Everybody's religious, right? As soon as a woman is pregnant and they find out that the baby is has down syndrome or some other disease or another, her whole family will tell her, "Okay, get rid of the baby, abort the baby." And when she refuses to do so because she says, "No, this is a child of God," they'll all mock her. They'll all ridicule her, they'll all blame her for doing something that's crazy. Why would you live a life? Why would you choose to go through something like this. Do you think that this is gonna be fun for you? Get rid of the baby, it's easier, and everybody will mock her in the meantime and make it harder for her than it already is. When somebody has many children and then they get pregnant again, they'll tell them the same thing. Somebody is a man, for example, will be stolen from by his brother, or will be cheated, or something like that will go on. He'll be slapped on the cheek, let's say, And when he decides that in the name of Christ, he'll forgive that person and let it go, all of his friends around him will say, that's only because you're a weak man, because you can't take care of yourself. You can't stand up for yourself. He'll be ridiculed for doing good things in the name of Christ, the way that Jesus Christ wanted him to do. I think it's much better to be laughed at by the majority than to laugh with the majority. In the gospel reading, Jesus is asked by a man named Jerus, who is the head of the synagogue. His daughter was really sick, and she was dying. And he's asked, he begs Jesus, come to my house so you can heal my daughter. He believes in Jesus's healing power. And Jesus goes. Before he gets there, the little girl had already died. And everybody said to Jerus, they said, okay, leave the teacher alone. She's already dead, let him go, don't bother him anymore. And Jesus said, no, 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 let's, let's go. She's not dead, she's asleep. And then he gets to the house and everybody is, in the Chaldean it says ma'dodah, everybody is wailing, they're lamenting the fact that this girl died, of course. And Jesus says again, don't worry, have faith, She's not dead, she's sleeping. Of course she was dead, but what he meant is I'm going to raise her from the dead. And everybody started laughing at him. The way that people laughed at King David, the way that Sarah laughed at Abraham, the way that the Greeks laughed at St. Paul, the way that you and I would get laughed at if we made a claim to do the will of God above what everybody else would say is the rational thing to do. Jesus is laughed at, just like all the other faithful people in history. And who is he laughed at? Like everybody else in history, and today he's laughed at people that perform religion but don't believe in its power. That's why I'm saying I think it's better to be laughed at by the majority than to, be, than to be laughing with the majority. Because unfortunately, the majority, even of the supposed faithful majority, when it comes down to it, all the time will say, just get real, get practical, get concrete, come back down to earth. Why are you living up in the clouds? Yes, God is real, and Mary is real, and all the prayers are real, and all these things are real, but this is too much. No. In the gospel, Jesus says, if you have faith, even a little bit, even the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this tree, be uprooted, and it would listen to you. Tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it would do it for you. Jesus says, you can drink deadly poison. I don't suggest this. Jesus says, you can drink deadly poison, and it wouldn't harm you. Don't, test, don't put the Lord your God to the test. That's also in the Psalms. the point is, though, if we're going to be faithful people to Christ, what we do first and foremost is believe in Him and in His power at the darkest moments, at the hardest moments, at the moments that we suffer the most. That's when we hang on to hope. That's the testing period, not when things are okay, not when we think that we can handle it and then we just invoke God because it's supposedly the right thing to do. We invoke God when everything seems impossible, and at that moment, When we pray and we pray with hope, that's when we're like King David. That's when we're like St. Paul. That's when we're like Abraham. And ultimately, that's when we're like Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, to be faithful in the real Christian sense is to be laughed at. But be laughed at because blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, as our Lord says. Amen.